Hello, welcome to Overburden, the podcast for poster workers. I'm Kevin Hitchings. And I'm Brandy Hughes. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about um, temporary employees for the urban side, and we said we'd wait a couple of weeks and then talk about the RSMC side. So that is what we are doing today. Yeah, one of these days we're going to have to do the RSMC side of something first. It's just, um, it always feels like there's so much more information in the collective agreement for urban than there is for RSMC because the book is probably three times as thick. Yeah, because there is a lot more. There is a lot more. Yeah, I know. Like, this is something we were just talking about the other day, how we keep talking about uh, RSMCs being treated the same as urban members and that all of the clauses in the collective agreement should just apply to them. And why is that not a reality yet? It is beyond us. What bugs me is the urban side has actually given up a lot to bring the RSMCs in. And they still have been brought in. So in every round, it's like, okay, what are you going to give up to give the RSMCs more? What are the RSMCs going to give up? Not just the urban. What are either side going to give up to bring you closer together? Like, there's been so many letters of understanding and so many agreements that they're just going to be made equal. And the McPherson decision... Uh, also said they were supposed to be brought into the same contract and years ago um, urban members lost I forget what they called it it was kind of like a severance pay when you quit or retired you got a week's pay for every year that you've been uh, with the post office that's a huge amount of money for some of us Mm -hmm. Uh, and I wasn't around at the time but I was was told as that was part of bringing the RSMCs uh, under the same banner Um, I think that's more than enough to bring them in and have it the same collective agreement and the same rights, but it's constantly every round, okay, what are you going to give up to bring them closer? And like I say, I'm, I'm not saying it's the urban giving up stuff, it's both sides giving up stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's just they keep dangling the same carrot, asking us to give up more to bring us closer together, and it should be one agreement. And I don't think this episode was supposed to start with a rant, but that's what happened. I think you're underestimating the corporate greed, and I also think that... Maybe one of these times we need to not just bite the carrot, but the entire arm holding the carrot. <laughs> yup. You, you interpret that however you want. <laughs> Anyhow, four terms uh, is what they're called on the urban side. And because me and Bran are both urban workers, we're probably going to accidentally use that term a few times. But they're uh, actually Oakers and Prees on the RSMC side. Right. And Oakers is the abbreviation for on-call relief or on-call relief employees. Mm-hmm. But uh, if we say terms, just mentally correct us. We mean freeze or ochres. Uh, should we go back? Should we cover the way it used to be that um, that when an RSMC was absent, they had to provide their own replacement. They had to train that replacement. They had to ensure that replacement was bondable. Um, and I believe they had to pay them as well. Like that they would get paid by the corporation and then they had to pay their replacement. Yeah, the the regular employee would get paid and they would have to pay their, their replacement worker. And there was no obligation to pay them any set amount at the time either. Right. Because the corporation just basically treated RSMCs like contractors. They were contractors essentially. And it was their problem to find their replacement. Yeah. Uh, there was one RSMC in the, in the city actually whose replacement goofed something up and they suspended her even though she wasn't even there so blaming her for the training of the replacement or uh no blaming her for a mistake hmm interesting yep so it was not a good situation and some places that still exists if there's less than three rsmcs the corporation doesn't have to find a replacement and article 14 i believe it is in the rsmc 
Yep. That agreement tells you how and what you have to do to find your own replacement, essentially. But we're mostly going to be focusing on appendix. We will do. We'll go back to Article 14 in a bit, I think. But we're mostly going to focus on uh, appendix E and F. E is the on-call relief appendix, and F is the permanent relief. So these would be the pre's. So the OCRS translates to be equivalent to a sick relief, uh, like a, a casual sick relief um, on the urban side, whereas the pre's are very much like um, vacation relief letter carriers. Right. And a lot of places don't even have the two separated urban. Right. But one covers vacation, one covers everything else, essentially. Yeah. And the difference there is that the pre's are guaranteed a certain number of hours. The ochres are not. They're on an on-call basis all the time. Uh, they could still get a backfill, in which case they would be guaranteed those hours, but um, or, or those routes, I guess. But... Uh, Otherwise, no, it's just... So it's pre, just... pre is more like relief employees and ochres are more like terms. Mm -hmm. So again, it used to be the RSMC's responsibility to cover their own route when they were gone and jump through all the hoops to do that. As of September of 2020, any installation with more than three or three or more RSMC's would have someone, would have someone provided. Before that, I believe it was six and they lowered it to five at one point, I believe. Uh, so these things did exist before that, but only in certain installations. Obviously, no small towns would have them. Yeah, so mostly be cities would have people pre-booked. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of the rural post offices might only have one or two RSMCs, and so they still wouldn't even get uh, coverage for for their absences. Although you'd think that if there were two of you, you would you would find someone to replace both of you and just make sure you didn't book the same day off if possible. Right. And then if there's more people on leave than there are uh, on-call relief or pre's, then the corporation is supposed to do a mandatory consultation. I know here they do everything they can to avoid that and try and sneak it through. Mm -hmm. But they are supposed to do a mandatory consultation and figure out how. Usually here it means um, borrowing some term letter carriers to only do certain parts of the route. Um, just CMBs or something, but not going off route and getting lost in the, in the big urban areas. Oh, doing the rural routes. Oh, the rural routes, yes. Sorry. So just like terms on the urban side, um, employees would stay at the minimum rate of pay. So you don't get normal pay increments every year automatically like a, a regular employee would. So uh, there's also a wage progression for RSMCs in, listed in Appendix A. It's page 135 in the collective agreement. And this really irks me because it's everyone's doing the same route, the same amount of work. But uh, so the minimum is 85% of what that route is valued at. Right, so if a regular RSMC was doing getting 100% of the route, the relief would be getting 85% of what they of would the be making. Of the pay. Yeah. yeah, after one year of being a, being a permanent employee, they would get uh, 88%. After two years, they get 91%. After three years, they get 94%. Four years, 97%. And five years, 100%. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's still a bit of an insult to say, well, we're just going to pay you less for doing the same amount of work just because you're newer. That's kind of a reverse way of saying the same thing we get, though. We mm -hmm. get an hourly wage. The new people, new employees get, you know, whatever it is, 76% of what we get mm -hmm. and then go up. 
rather than saying you start here and go up, they're just saying, you know, this is the base and you start a percentage down, but it's still the same progression. It's just on the RSMC side, wages isn't straightforward. They don't get an hourly rate because it's calculated on your route value. Mm-hmm. You can't really say, here's a base and let's go up. You kind of have to work it backwards. So it's essentially the same thing, just a really weird wording that we're not used to for doing it. Yeah. Um, and of course that progression only, only applies to permanent employees. So it would apply to the pre's but not to the ochres the ochres always stay at the 85 percent of route value now there's other factors in how an rsmc gets paid so there's mileage vehicle allowance um variables like uh, how many how many parcels you delivered that day um and i know that at least in our local um the pre's the pre's will be, uh, some of them are, are used just to do parcel assist at certain times a year. And so they'll be given this many parcels a day. And then if they want to take extra parcels, then they can have more pay. Um, so I, I can't, I believe we were at one point, it was $90 for doing, I don't remember how many parcels. Plus mileage and everything. Right. But I, I can't remember what the number of parcels was. And then if they did more parcels, then they would get, uh, I think it's about 45 parcels. Which is why we really need a better route measurement system and a standardized hourly wage. Because it might be 90 here, it might be 80 somewhere else, it might be 100 somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really complicated the way they do RSMC pay because everything's based on density of businesses versus density of houses. And it's how, many, how much space is there between the average stop times your length of your route and... I've never talked to anybody who really understands how RSMCs get paid. We're actually having a a course on that in our local soon. I'm planning to attend. I don't remember what day it is, but it's going to be done virtually by Zoom. And it's uh, how do you get paid? The RSMC edition is what they've called it. I'm going to have to check the bulletin on our board and see what it yeah. uh, what but, day it is. Yeah, the way they were built routes so was just insane, though. Like. It just amazes me, though, because I'll talk to people and say, okay, well, can you explain to me how this pay works? And the, and most of the RSMCs can't explain it to me. And I've even talked to some, some way more experienced people in the union and said, hey, can you explain RSMC pay to me? And they go, oh, it's so complicated. I don't even know if I understand it. And I at one point asked if there was a course, like a, a course offered regionally that, that a person could take to figure it out. And they said no. And I feel like that's that's kind of something we're missing. It seems like something pretty basic. You should know how you get paid. Well, and I mean, it's easy for us because it's hourly hour, hourly rate. And then if there's anything extra on there, you get to see it and it's spelled right mm-hmm. out. But, but in fairness, um, not a lot of people realize how our routes are built on the urban side. So the mm-hmm. whole letter care route management system is hundreds and hundreds of pages on how the route's built. And your pay is built on or based on how that route is built. So, like, that's how they figure out how many hours you are. So, really, in fairness, most urban members don't really know how they get paid either. They just do this route and they get paid, but how was that pay figured out? Mm-hmm. And that's the problem with the RSMC side. It's a little more directly tied to your route or a little more obvious, but you really have to understand how the routes are built to understand how you get paid. And it's more complicated in the RSMC side, as far as I can tell, because it's not just distance, it's density and distance and everything else. Right. And, and just like us, if they make changes to your route, you should be compensated for the additional work, right? Um, there, that might be something as simple as doing lock changes at your CMBs, that there is payment for that as well. And you should be uh, keeping track of those and getting, getting properly compensated. One of the good things about being an ochre 
though, as far as pay goes, is that every quarter, uh, fiscal quarter, you should get a $250 bonus. So it's $1,000 a year just for staying on payroll and being on call. It's kind of like your on-call bonus. It's no way it's going to make up for that uh, lower rate of pay you get, but it is a bonus. The other problem is with on-call relief or any RSMCs is overtime is very hard to claim. Uh, a lot of RSMCs say there is no such thing as overtime. There is, but it's a pain because you have to work more than 40 hours a week average on a two-week rolling calendar. So you have to check how many hours you work today, how many hours you work tomorrow, how many hours you work the next day, add it all up. If that averages to more than 40 hours both times, or 80 hours in a two-week period, then you can claim overtime for the excess, but you have to prove that you worked it and then average it out over that whole two-week period. Um, the biggest problem with that is that that 80 hours is not reduced if you have a route that's less than full-time. Right. So if you have a four-hour-a-day or... And the what the corporation values at four hours a day, and it takes you eight hours a day every day, you're still only getting paid four hours a day. Right. If you take nine hours a day every day, then you can claim that hour of overtime at the end of two weeks, so that 10 hours. But there's still a lot of uh, free time built into the RSMC schedule that you just don't get paid for. The McPherson decision back in 2020 helped a little bit with that, and the corporation is supposed to try and build closer to eight hours, but they still have a lot of leeway. So they are getting a lot of free work out of the RSMCs. That's really the one thing in the McPherson decision. There's a few things I didn't agree with, but that was the one really big one that I can't believe she let slide. She did uh, overall fix a lot of problems for us. It was a good decision overall, but uh, this one thing baffles me how they allowed just RMC, RSMCs to be continually abused for free work. Yeah, they, they do tend to try to build routes that are four or five hours long by their estimation. And if you start to approach that seven or eight hour mark, they usually will split the route to keep you from getting near that eight hours a day. Yeah, which is terrible because you go for years getting eight hours a day pay or close to eight hours a day pay. Then they go, oh, we might have to pay you a little bit overtime. So let's split your route. Now you got a route that's only four hours, right. you know, because they've chopped up depots so that nobody can have a good route anymore. Yep. And it's disastrous, and I just can't imagine, you know, it's, it's, hard, it's hard enough having to worry about you losing your job, uh, especially with all the employer abuses that have been happening lately in our depot, without having to worry about them, you know, quote-unquote, legitimately just cutting your pay in half. Yeah. I know the last time they restructured our depot, uh, they were all unhappy. Yeah, the RSMC's I mean, got hit hard. We have more roots, but they're... They're nowhere near full time, and these people, just like the rest of us, they have families to feed, and uh, I think some of them have probably gone and, and got alternative work in the afternoons or evenings to uh, to make up some of the shortfall. Right. Um, there is a way to get more pay as an RSMC, though, is to do another route. So if there are people absent and not not enough pre's to cover the the work. Uh, if you sign up to do overtime, you can always do a second route. No guarantee that you, that that option will be available to you every day, but I mean, assuming your staffer is uh, not always on the ball, that might be easier in some some locations. Mm. So again, the pre's are there to cover any vacation, any normal sick days, because they have hours they have to fill. 
Right. So the corporation is going to fill up their guaranteed hours first. After that is when they're they're going to start offering workovers. In both cases, they're going to give the choice of assignment uh, just via seniority. Mm-hmm. So whoever's been there the longest is going to get it. Uh, Oakers are on their own separate list, though, of course. Um, permanent employees, permanent RSMCs or PREs or road holders automatically are before any Oakers. So Oakers right. do have seniority, but only within other Oakers. And they, the corporation has to create the permanent relief employee positions in facilities with 12 or more RSMC routes. It used to be 14, but as of January 2020, it went to 12. The, those employees are supposed to be used mainly to cover vacation leave absences? Yeah, they're basically pre-known absences, so vacation. But again, they have guaranteed hours, so if there's one on the bench, they're going to get that work before an ochre will. Yeah, they might also cover like um, short-term disability or even long-term disability. The relief employees do get the boot allowance. Uh, For some reason, it's not boot and glove allowance like it is on the urban side. It's just boot allowance. So I guess you could argue they get more there because they get $60 per quarter for just boots. We get $120 twice a year, but it's boot and glove. So I guess the RSMCs get more for boots, but nothing for gloves. This is funny because when you're filling a... A community mailbox. You want gloves in the middle of winter. <laughs> well, boots are way more important too. Like I wear running shoes all winter, even when it's minus forty, because my feet are in constant use and I'm they never get cold. Even if they get wet, I've stepped in puddles when it's really cold, mm-hmm. and uh, like broken through the ice when it's minus twenty five out, and my feet don't get that cold. But if I'm standing still for a second, like stuffing a CMB, they get cold. So RSMCs. You know, we need walking boots, uh, but they need warm boots really bad. My feet are always cold, even when I'm walking. I've, I've taken to putting hot shots in my boots on a really cold day because I cannot keep my toes warm. I have crappy circulation. <laughs> so uh, there's also a clause in, in Appendix F, it's 3B, that says if a permanent relief employee it does not have an assignment to a route, um, so they'll be paid that route value, they... Sh- are paid $90 per day and can be assigned to do other other duties for a maximum of three hours per day. So in theory, if it if they have more work than three hours per day, they should be paid more, right? Then this goes back to what I was saying about how many parcels you could get in three hours, right? One of the other things about being an ochre is every route has a certain vehicle capacity and mm-hmm. the RSMC is supposed to be required to have a vehicle that meets the capacity for that route. And I know when I was first looking at working in Canada Post, I looked at some RSMC postings and the amount of storage space you're supposed to have is ridiculous. I had a truck with an extended cab and a box cover. And if I put the back seats down and included the passenger seat and everything, I didn't come close to actually making the storage space that they demanded. So as an ochre, you're supposed to have a van that covers or vehicle that covers any possible route you could be on which basically means you need to drive a van for the odd day you get called in. And of course, no RSMC actually has one, at least here that I know of. Yeah, um, actually, one, one that I know of. In Appendix E, it does say the corporation may authorize the use of a different type of vehicle so that an ochre doesn't, you know, can be called on to any route if they don't, you know, if they have a large vehicle, but they called on the, get called to do the one route that has a, needs a super large vehicle. The corporation may authorize the use of that vehicle. Um, I don't know why the corporation wouldn't, you know, 
Uh, I suppose they could if they're playing favorites. They just want to reject this person because that person has a bigger vehicle slightly or whatever. But uh, in theory, that's a bit of leeway here. You don't have to have a vehicle that covers everything. This is another one of those things that the corporation abuses, though, because if your vehicle does not meet their requirements for size and, and storage capacity, their direction is that if you can't fit today's mail in, you have to go out and come back and go out again. So you have to make two trips out from the depot to get all the mail out. Yeah, normally this is something that was a misconception of the RSMCs here, at least for a while, is if you do have a vehicle that meets that that's the size, that's as many packages as they can give you. Yep. If you fill up your vehicle and your vehicle does meet the route requirements, and that's with safe travel, which means you have to be able to see out the passenger vehicle. You don't have to load that all up and hmm. block your view. Um, if your vehicle does not meet the size requirements, yeah, they can make you come back. But if you can fill up your vehicle safely and cannot fit any more in, those packages that are left over are not your responsibility. Yeah, they can either send them out with relief or they can um, hold them. Yeah, but they shouldn't be holding very long. They can't do this day after day or that's a grievance for delay of mail. Right. Um, on a one-off kind of thing. Okay, sure. they can wait a day. But they can't just do this to you every day either. Um, right. They need to get you some parcel support if you can't safely operate your vehicle. And visibility is part of it. Oh, yeah. So most of the collective agreement applies to, to on-call relief. Article 8 doesn't. Um, again, that's seniority, which is why it doesn't apply. Basically, just like our urban terms, they have a separate seniority system. If they have their own seniority system, then they don't need the seniority system from Article 8. 804 specifically speaks to Oakers, and it states that once an on-call relief employee uh, gets a permanent relief position or becomes a root holder, uh, their seniority date shall be retroactive to the first date of hire as an on-call relief employee. Right. So if you put in three years as a on-call relief and then get hired as a permanent, you still have that three years. Yeah. Um, there are there. The only exception is if you are not employed by the corporation for a period of nine and a half months or greater. That that counts as a break in seniority, and your your seniority date would then become when you return. Mm work. I, I don't believe that would include uh, parental or maternity leave because those rights are protected under the labor code and discriminating against you for taking those leaves is very much frowned upon and should not be supported. Great. Uh, article 11 is on road changes so it's not going to apply. Most of article 12 was on vacant routes and the vacant relief positions but if you're an Oakery neither that's going to apply to you. It would still apply if you're a pre though. Yes, some, if you're a pre, then the vacant preposition would count. Right. Okay. 1302 is um, adjustments for interim work measurements, but again, you don't have a route, so the measurements don't really apply. And 14 is on replacement workers and how you would replace somebody on your route, which we'll get back to in a bit. But ochres obviously don't have a route of their own to replace somebody on, so that wouldn't apply. 15 is vacation leave, so of course, uh, relief or on-call relief is not entitled to vacation leave. Now, uh, on the urban side, they get uh, pay in lieu of, of annual leave. Yeah, that's item 6 on Appendix E. Vacation pay will accumulate at okay. 4% of the actual wages, so on every check, you should get 4%. Dirty, we lieu. get 6. Darn corporations scamming RSMCs again. Okay. 
Uh, Article 16 also does not apply to ochres. That is designated holidays, so statutory holidays that you normally get paid for. And Article 17. Is the short-term disability program. Hmm. So that one is not counted for on either side. Article 18 is parental rights. That does apply. Yes. So, so that would be a leave where you're still employed by the corporation, so it's not a break-in service. Right. Because you're on a, an approved leave. Yeah. Article 19 is special leaves. Those don't apply to, to on-call reliefs. I believe that the corporation did pay quarantine pay this last couple of years. I believe they did, workers, yeah. Which Tw was good. Yeah. 22 is the pension plan, which doesn't kick in until you're on, uh, until until you're on a permanent route. 23 is job security, which, again, is a uh, recall rights and stuff like that. That doesn't apply to on-call relief. Unfortunately, I don't see why it wouldn't, because if they have to call back employees up to above a certain number, you'd think they would call back the relief, too. Um, some segments of Article 24 are also excluded. So 2403, which is uh, boot and glove allowance, and 2404. I have serious issue with 2404 not being included because that is basically the right to refuse uh, work that you think might harm your your child when pregnant or yourself. That is shameful that that's not in there, but I believe under the label, labor code you still would be able to refuse anyway. You would be able to refuse so, unsafe work. Yeah, yeah, don't let this intimidate anyone out of refusing something that's unsafe. And and a bunch of those other things like the short term uh, that that weren't included, you would still be eligible for some to apply for um, employment insurance. Now it gets a little dicey because you don't have guaranteed hours, but I think that if you could show that you were consistently working a certain amount, that that you you might be able to get some pay for for um, medical inability to work. Uniforms is 25. None of uniforms applies except for item 2501D, which says you have to wear a corporate vest with corporate logo to identify yourself as an employee. Um, those would be their beautiful yellow vest they make us wear. Yay! Um, it's weird because when they say what's excluded, they say this is not, this is not, this is not, and they every clause except for that one little paragraph rather than saying this one is included. But whatever, that's the way they want to do it. Article 36 is personal days and short-term disability program. Now, um, so that's saying you don't get personal days under the collective agreement, but under the labor code, every employee gets three paid and two unpaid personal days every year. And we are currently waiting to see how the 10 sick days that the government has recently introduced are, is going to actually unfold. Right. There's a, a reminder again that not everything in the CA is 100% up to date because when we did this two-year contract extension a few months ago, there was a few changes. Those three sick days was part of it, but they agreed not to reprint the collective agreement. I don't know why they didn't print a, a little mini booklet that's four pages just explaining the differences. I know they didn't have all of the perfect legal language hammered out yet, mm -hmm. but they could have released something so that people would know because uh, if I was a new employee and I looked at the CA, I would have no idea that I could collect uh, personal days, and I highly doubt the corporation goes out of their way to let you know. 
That's true. Although I kind of feel like as a working person in Canada, you should be aware. <laughs> you know? Yeah, a lot aren't. And most, yeah. a lot of people don't pay attention to the news anymore. They're looking at Facebook news, their own little tunnel news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the perm we've been talking about uh, on-call relief ochres this whole time. That was Appendix E. Appendix F is on uh, permanent relief employees, which we've, of course, mentioned quite a few times. It's only a... Pretty much covered it already, I think. It's really just a page and then half a paragraph. But I don't think there's anything in here we haven't already mentioned. Um, they do get vacation leave. All those exclusions that we just went through, saying that these paragraphs do not apply to uh, relief employees, that was only for on-call. So you can ignore all that if you're a permanent. Everything in the CA applies to you. Oh, <laughs> the other one that we didn't mention was the corporate team at Incentive uh, Appendix I doesn't apply to ochres, but I mean nobody has seen one of those in a while, so yeah, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't feel like you were uh, being being shorted something that other people have because I've actually never received a a CTI payment because they stopped doing them right before I got permanent. Right. I think the only thing really we haven't already covered on permanent relief is that um, they are guaranteed a minimum of 12 hours a week. So the corporation can't say, yeah, you're a permanent, but you're only, you know, four hours a week or whatever. And... Is it 12 or is it 15? It says 12 in here, but it may have been oh. something updated that wasn't updated in here. So the other thing is not mentioned. If a permanent relief employee doesn't have a route to cover then they still get $90 a day. So that's kind of like your, your route allowance for not doing anything or for not having a route to cover. You still get kind of a default route allowance of $90. The corporation can find you other duties for up to three hours a day though. They can't say, here's your $90, we're keeping you all day. So they can have you do some parcel assist. They can have you, you know, sort packets in the depot with something, uh, maybe prep people's fires or something. But three hours a day is their cap on that. They can't call you in and say, oh, we have no work for you, so stay here the whole day. Right. Which I've seen them trying to do. It's like, oh, when people start coming back, that's that's how long a road takes you can go. No. <laughs> Three hours Three is hours. the limit. Yeah. yeah. Unless they want to pay you more. You can always ask for more. Right. I mean, if they decide to give you more work than you can get, than, than would fit in the three hours, then, yeah, you could uh, maybe get more money than that. Um. So that's Prees and Ochres. Um I'm sure someone will email us saying we goofed something possibly <laughs> because neither of us are uh, RSMCs, but uh, hopefully not because there are a lot of similarities between the two groups and hopefully someday the two groups will be the same and this won't be an issue anymore. That would be nice. It's one of those things that should have happened, you know, yesteryear. If you want to submit any corrections or suggestions for new topics or even just tell us what you think, uh, email us at overburdenpod at gmail.com. Uh, have a great week. <laughs>